This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. And welcome to Pet Chat. I'm Jane Klein, Danny Boss. Hi, Jane. And we have a very special interview we're going to start off with. We do. Today. We've had a number of listeners ask about standard poodles. And you don't see too many standard poodles. We see a lot of toy poodles, but not so many standard. So I thought, how about giving a poodle breeder a call? And I've got Tom Mangan on the phone from Man Ray Poodles, based in Warboy. And he'll talk to us about the poodle. Hi, Tom. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Hi Danny, it's good to be here. Thank you. First of all, tell us a little bit about your interest in poodles and how many years you've been breeding. Well, I first um, got myself a standard poodle in 1963. Don't know where that puts me in your age group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sort of surprised my parents at the time by coming home with it. But, okay. Um, and on and off since then, I've, I've bred occasional litters, but I'm not a, a massive breeder. I don't breed regularly. I just mm-hmm. do it for fun occasionally or when, when I want a puppy. All right. Yeah. And what interested you with the poodle to begin with? Well, I just, I, I'd met a couple through friends and went out to some shows and uh, the standard poodle seemed to me to be a, a pretty good looking, active, big, energetic, smart sort of a dog. Mm. And They've got a very sort of personal response to you too. They they sort of eye you like they know you. Yes. And um, and I found that quite good. For uh, someone who might not be aware, but can you describe the overall appearance and the look of the of the dog? Well, um, most standard poodles you'd find would stand a bit over two feet high at the um, shoulder. Yes. So that's about, you know, 63 centimetres yes. at the shoulder. So they're a bit bigger, a bit taller, say, than a collie. Mm-hmm. Um, about a similar size maybe to a German Shepherd or something like that, and even get a bit taller. Yes. And they're a very balanced sort of a dog, so their backs aren't as long as some dogs are. They should be a little bit shorter in the back, mm-hmm. which gives them a slightly leggy look, and they have quite long necks, so that coming off a a longish leg and a tallish body, they'll have a long neck. So they stand quite high and um, sort of a big tail coming up at the back, usually with lots of hair on it. Yes. Um, and they tend to step out a bit. They've got quite a big stride and they, they move out quite grandly and nicely. Oh, they do when I see them move. Yeah. Even if, when they're not in the show ring, their natural movement is quite yeah. graceful. And even when they gallop or jump or something like that, they they seem to put a lot of... The grace is the right word. They put a lot of muscle and grace into it. Mm. It's quite, quite good to watch. And, of course, a lovely, long, expressive face as well, usually. And what colours are they available in? Well, um, the basic colours in all poodles, um, regardless of size, are black, uh, white... Mm-hmm. and various forms of grey called silver or blue or whatever people like to call it. Yes. There's also uh, a sort of orange apricot colour. Yes, I've seen. Also, also be a reddish sort of a colour. Colour, yep. Yeah, yeah. I've seen all those colours, and the orange apricot yeah. does seem to stand out, but so do the black and white. A lot of yeah. uh, a lot of uh, people also paint their, their, their poodles, don't they? I've seen them oh, in pink, yeah. and I've seen them in blue. Yeah. If yeah. they're a white poodle, naturally, it's amazing what they can do. Yeah, I mean... How do you paint them? 
Well, yeah. I think you mean dye them. Dye them, I should yeah. say. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Jane, I've confused, I've confused yeah. you. Yes, dye them. They do dye them. There's a special grooming process where they can dye the coat. Yeah, mm. some of the salons get right into it, and you can, if you've got a white one, you can take it home with pink ears if you're lucky. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tom, what's the history of the breed, and what was it bred to do? Well, the standard poodles, um, but they're basically an old hunting dog. Yes. And uh, from some centuries ago, they were used as water dogs to help flush out fowl around swamps and things like that. That's part of the thing about the um, big hair they've got and the way it's cut, because the the traditional way of doing it was to leave a lot of hair around the chest to protect it in the cold European weather when they went in the water. Yes. But to cut it off the legs, including the back legs, so that they could get around more easily. Yes. And uh, since then, they've just become companion companion dogs and show dogs, really. Yes, when you see them the way they're cut and you wonder whether it's just for show, but there is actually, in, in the traditional sense, there was a purpose to that cut and that look. Yes, that, that was it. It was so that they could get out there and be protected from the cold and whatever else was in the um, water, uh, but at the same time use their legs freely running yes. through the bush or, or swimming. Yeah. And in terms of health problems, is there any common that are to the breed? Well, um, most big dogs have sort of fairly typical problems. You've got always got to make sure that their uh, joints are sound. Mm-hmm. And most standard poodle breeders these days are having their dogs tested through the Australian Veterinary Association to check what their hip scores are. Yes. And so if you're interested in getting one, you'd always ask about, you know, have you got the testing done on the hips? Um, the eyes, I mean, occasionally you get um, some dogs that have... Uh, turned eyelids or something like that, but it's not as common occurrence. Yes. Um, and there are other things that happen, but sort of around the same instance as happen with people. I mean, you get people in families who have problems and they might have a skin issue or yes. whatever it is. But the main thing is to make sure that the dogs have been tested for their hips and their eyes and, and uh, then you're right. That's right. Yeah. And, and finding out from the breeder, um, I guess, information and backgrounds of the parents or the line that the breeder is using. That's it, help. that's it. They should know who their dogs... Well, you should see the dog, the puppy's parents. Yes. And uh, the breeder should know something about the, the parents' parents. Mm-hmm. And further back, preferably, they should be... A, there'll be the pedigree if it's a dog that's registered with Dogs New South Wales. Yeah. Which really is what you're aiming for. Yes. There'll be the pedigree there and... Uh, a good breeder with a bit of history should be able to say something about the dogs on the pedigree. That's right. Yeah. In terms of the the poodles or standard poodles temperament, yeah. what kind of families would uh, it be suited to? I think you need to have a responsible adult in the family. It's a big dog. Mm-hmm. They're very good with children, but I don't know that it's a good idea leaving any sort of dog and um, unsupervised with very young children so yes. there has to be a responsible adult around there Yes, and there needs to be somebody who likes going for a run every day mm-hmm. um, because they're a big energetic dog and they need to get out and they need to move um, also it needs to be the sort of household where um, people are aware of things like grooming because they're a hairy dog Yes, and they need that hair to be looked after either through regular clipping or regular brushing and yep. a good bath and the regular brushing uh, to make it easier would be advisable, what, every day or every second day? Well, it depends on how short the hair is. Okay. But if you get a, a sort of typical sort of short curly pet clip, 
uh, at a either do it yourself or uh, at a little salon. Yes. Um, then you you get away really with doing the ears and the head and the tail, checking those out each day, and um, giving them a bit of a run over with a good bristle brush once a week. Now, in terms of toy poodles, they can be quite a bit. Jumpy and a bit active. Standard yeah. poodles are a bit different to that in the temperament. They're a bit steadier, steadier, a bit steadier usually. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, given their background, that they were supposed to go out with somebody who was going to be firing a gun over them. Yes. Um, you know, hundred, two hundred years ago, um, they, they're supposed to be a dog that can live with that, and and they're, also they're not too bad as a watchdog. Okay. Uh, and in terms of their intelligence, they're quite smart. So can they sometimes be destructive if if they're left alone for long periods of time? That can be a, an issue. I don't know that it's a good idea with any dog to leave it alone no. for a good for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to have somebody in their lives and uh, watching them. They need to have things to do. This is another thing about getting out every day for good exercise. They need to work up, burn off that energy. That's right. Um, and uh, yeah. But that's the way to do it. Be there and burn off the energy and you'll be right. You'll be healthy too. Well, thank you very much for that information, Tom. And we'll leave it at that. And uh, it was fantastic talking to you. Good. Good luck, Dan. Learning about standard poodles, Jane. Lovely dog. You're listening to Pet Chat on 2NURFM. It's 26 past 12. And Danny Boss, we've got some uh, news on pet events. One that's just been? One that's just been... But it hasn't been local, it was overseas, and it was in Slovakia, in the capital city of Bratislava. Now, this was the World Dog Show, and we commented on the World Dog Show last year because it was held in Stockholm in Sweden, but this year, as mentioned, in Bratislava in Slovakia. Now, how about having a look at some of these numbers? Imagine you're living in this city, in Bratislava, and you've got the World Dog Show happening. Guess how many dogs have come in? 21,830 dogs invade your city wow. with, with their owners and families. That's amazing. It's quite a lot, isn't it? Dogs of all sorts. All I sorts. There was 373 dog breeds from 59 countries, and uh, the highest number of dogs came Came from obviously the Czech Republic at three thousand four hundred and seventy-four. Uh, we've got. Uh Russia, 2,667. Italy, just over 2,000 dogs. And in terms of the actual breeds, uh, the biggest breeds were American Staffordshire Terriers, 291 of this breed of dog, 286 of Rhodesian Ridgebacks, and it just goes on. So numerous, humongous numbers of dogs in the city for the World Dog Show. Would there be any dogs travelling from Australia for that, or does quarantine make it difficult? Um, quarantine, generally dogs leaving Australia, it's pretty good because we've got strict quarantine procedures in place. But once they come back from Europe or from America, they have to stay in quarantine for at least a month here in Australia. A month. So to send a dog out is not too much of a problem, but to bring them back in, it is. Which is usually what you want to do with your dog. That's right. (laughs) This year, I'm not aware of any Australian dog, but last year um, in Stockholm in Sweden, there was one Australian Weimarana that had been in Europe for about two years and campaigning, and he went to the World Dog Show and was shown and did quite well. Um, And now he's back here in Australia. I love the way you say that. He was in there campaigning. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the campaigning dog has returned. Has returned. Do you know anything about the quarantine-type regulations for coming back in, apart from having to be in quarantine? Where do the dogs go? There is... In the different capital cities, there are quarantine areas. Uh, they, one, there's one in Sydney. There is one in Melbourne. Um, and I'm pretty sure there is one in Brisbane as well. So they do have the quarantine areas set aside. I'm not sure whether they are government run. They, I think they were, but now they have been privatised. Mm-hmm. Yes. So and owners can go and visit their dog. Um, and have a look how they're going and how they're being kept and so forth. And presumably um, you have to pay for the privilege. Exactly. And this year the costs have just gone up as well, actually. So it's uh, it's not not uh, it's not too cheap, really. I believe it's about thirty dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for, and for they your would dog. Get exercised as well. They do get exercised and, and they get fed, and you can visit. That's right. Now, mm-hmm. another event that is close by, it's in Sydney, is the Sydney Pet and Animal Expo, and it starts from today, the uh-huh. 6th, and will continue on till Sunday. And it's held at Rose Hill Gardens Racecourse. Now, this one is held on a yearly basis, so it's an annual event. And Lots of different things happening in terms of there'll be uh, large dog breed showcases featuring over 60 different dogs, but not only just dogs and rare breeds of dogs, but there's also cat expos in, in uh, being featured and cat judging for different types of uh, prizes on the day. There'll be bird breed showcases and bird judging as well. Uh, there'll be farmyard nurseries, native and animal and farm animals. So take the kids along and have a look at them. They're always cute to have a look at the baby farm animals. So that'd be lambs and chickens and... Piglets. The piglets are always very popular. <laughs> and we've got pony rides, amusement rides happening. Uh, there'll be catering stalls. So it's all at the Rose Hill Gardens Racecourse this week. Weekend. Do they have to be fast? <laughs> oh, well, there might be some fast ones as well. <laughs> so that's coming up this weekend with lots to see. Now, we don't have a vet today. David Tabret has not been able to make it in, but what we would love you to do is to ring in and tell us some funny stories that have happened with your pets. If you've got a really funny story, give us a ring on 49216216 and we'll share it. Danny Boss, we are talking funny stories at the moment with uh, pets. If you've with got our pets. A funny story about your pet, give us a ring, 49216216, and we'll share it. Joy has rung in. Hello, Joy. Hello. Can you tell us a good story about yours? Yes, well, I've got a mini foxy. Well, he's now three and a half year old, but at the time, he was when he was only about eight weeks old, um, next door to me in the flats, there was a, a blue heel, and he was about... A month, a month older than my dog, see. You can imagine yes. how big they are at yes. that age. Anyway, I had a towel in my lounge room and the blue heel had come in and grabbed the towel and started to run backyard with it. My fox, he chased after it and jumped on the towel and it looked like he was surfing up the backyard around the clothesline. <laughs> it was the most funniest thing. I thought, I wish I had a video crank camera and I would have put that on funniest home video. Exactly. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. It's little tiny dogs on this towel serving at the backyard. <laughs> what was the towel like afterwards? Oh, it was fine, but it was just so funny. I thought, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. And I always remember that, you know. But Did it go on for a while? I, um, no, just that once. He just, went up to the backyard. Yep. I was in number three unit and went up to the past <laughs> five unit. So you can imagine him 
surf, not the backyard on this towel. <laughs> it was a funny thing. Would it's be so good. Tiny. There are there, those are those moments when it would be great to have a camera, aren't they? Oh yeah. Unfortunately, they don't go for too long, and you don't have enough time to get one. <laughs> exactly right. And in, you know, you've got to withdraw time. It's funny you could catch it like funny home videos, you know. But yes. At the time, I didn't have a, a video camera, and I thought, oh my gosh, I wish I did. <laughs> but anyway, I've got a question. Yeah. At the moment, I've got my daughter's cat here, and she's. Do you have kittens within the next three weeks, two to three weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering if she needs to be wormed before and then after. Um, Is it safe to do that now? Okay, I think being that it's so close, I'm not too sure of the technicalities. I would have to have a look at the the directions given by the by the um, manufacturer of the product. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not too sure if it is a bit close. I think being that it's only three weeks, I think it is a bit close. However, okay. once they are born, um, there are some worming liquids that you can give to kittens right. from a very young age. And the mother should be wormed as well. And the mother can be wormed at that time as well. Oh, okay. Okay? So just go to your local uh, pet specialty outlet or even a vet and and have a look at the worming product and see the directions on it. But I think at this stage it is a bit too close to give to. Okay. It's just that she's hungry all the time. Yes. And uh, she'll eat a can a day, in the day. Well, she's carrying a few kittens, so it is normal that she will be hungry. I know I breed dogs, and when my my dogs are pregnant, they can eat quite a bit (laughs) if you let them. (laughs) They don't stop in some cases. That's great. Well, thanks for your story, Joy, and good luck with the worming. Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And Paul has rung in. Hello, Paul. Hello. You've got a funny story to tell us? Well, it's sort of a funny story, Um, I guess in one regard, but it's also a bit, uh, a bit sort of edgy. Um, I was on a holiday in France recently, and um, over there, the people are allowed to take their dogs when they go shopping. And you quite often go to a, a supermarket, and you see um, people walking around doing their shopping with a dog sitting in the basket amongst the food. Yes, I've seen that. That does happen. <laughs> No, and I actually saw there was, a, there was a shopping basket with a little poodle in it because I know you've had a poodle on today, a poodle breeder on today, and it was a little—I think it was a male poodle. Yeah. Um, and another little dog came past, and the little male poodle actually got got up amongst the food, and he cocked his leg, and he weed right across. The lady had some baguettes in there, like wrapped oh. up in paper, and the poodle actually weed across all of the food, trying to wee on the other dog. I'm just wondering, is that common for dogs to do that? Oh, well, that is a bit of a funny event, but it is actually also mm, (laughs) a bit out there, isn't it? But if it's a male dog, they can, because they do have um, ownership. They they want to own their area, and so forth, that they would feel that they would need to pee. I have had an incident with uh, one of my male stud dogs, and when one of the female dogs does come on, into season, he can do quite a bit of peeing around the yard and make sure that he marks his territory. And with the male dogs, it's about marking their territory and this girl is mine. I suppose we're lucky that we don't have uh, laws here that let us take dogs into supermarkets so I we think, can be sure our food's clean. I think, Paul, after your story, we are definitely very lucky. <laughs> As you say, a bit edgy. Thank you okay, for that. Thank you. Thank you. We're listening to funny stories, uh, and if you've got a funny story about your pet or a pet that you know, give us a ring, 49216216. William. Hello, William. Hi there. You've Hi. Got, you've got a story about a cockatoo, I believe. 
Yes, well, I come out to Melbourne 30 years ago, and uh, I got in lodgings uh, with these people from Manchester. Yes. And they had a cockatoo, which was pretty young, and it wouldn't talk at all. Yes. So these friends of ours, uh, friends of theirs, asked if they could look after their uh, budgerigar or some type of parrot, which was a right chatterbox. So, so the people that I was lodging with took the bird in for two weeks, and silly me, I had a couple of drinks one day, I put the bird next to the cockatoo, hoping it would communicate a bit, and it bit its leg off. Oh. <laughs> the cockatoo bit, bit the... The smaller parrot's leg, leg off. off, yes. And uh, I thought it was really funny, but the, the people who uh, were looking after the, the bird for the people who were on holiday weren't very impressed. No, they wouldn't be. And and we had to actually uh, take the budgerigar or some type of parrot, I didn't know because I didn't know much about the birds then, yes. to the vet. Yes. And they had literally to amputate the other leg as well because oh. it was hanging off, you know. And, uh, okay. So well, you can imagine when the people rung up to say, how's me, uh, me bird and all that, oh, you know. That, that would have been a terrible event to uh, relay that information to the other owners. Yes, that's dead right. That is, that is one thing when you're mixing, mixing different size uh, animals, birds, it could be even dogs. You do have to watch out. I know with my dogs, for instance, if there's a new dog that comes into the yard, what could be one of my friend's dogs, they go out and have a sniff and check this dog out and make sure, you know, okay, are we going to get along well with this dog or are we not? This is an intruder. And it, it would be the same that would happen with birds and other animals as well. And it's best that if they are especially of different sizes, even if they're the same breed, for a while you need to keep them separate rather than put them in together, just so they can get used to each other in separate cages. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened was I didn't actually we didn't actually put the other bird in the cage. Yes. We just I put the cage next to the bird, you know, in yes. the other bird cage. Yes. So it must have just sort of wandered across on its little perch, and then the other one has, and bang, you know. That's right. If they're too close by, I've had a, a lady who's a, um, a budgie breeder, and she had some problems with wild birds coming to the aviary and uh, hurting her budgies that are in the aviary. And it's just attaching themselves to the to the to the aviary netting, and then biting off whether it be legs or in some cases could could be even worse yeah. so it's about having that distance away and she's thinking of redesigning her aviary so there's actually two types of netting with a gap of at least 10 centimeters away to protect yeah. her budgies from the wild birds yeah that's mm. correct good idea william when you came out to australia a little while ago were you uh, struck by the the different kinds of bird life that there was oh, around here Yes, that's right, because in Britain we've just got the general jackdaws and uh, magpies and pigeons. And your magpies aren't the same, are they? Uh, well, they're not, they're not, they're not mu that much different. You know, they're still black and white, but they're different types of birds. And uh, I didn't know much about the birds here at all, you know. So and I was ignorant to the fact that that cockatoo would actually do that to that uh, other bird, you know. Yes. Yes. I was just learning as I say. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Funny stories are the topic of the day today, and 49216216 will get you and your funny story through to us. 103.7, it's 11 to 1. You're listening to Pet Chat. Danny Boss and I, Jane Klein, we're, we're having a bit of a chuckle about stories, funny stories about pets. Now, this is perhaps not under the category of funny stories, Danny. But well, they're sports stories, really, isn't it? Oh, it's, and it's terribly uh, 
um, terribly in to be sporty at the moment, isn't it? Uh, the World Dog Games. Well, the World Dog Games were held in Sydney. That's right, only a couple of weeks ago now. And they had a fantastic turnout at the Acer Arena. And they introduced lots of different sports that dogs and dog owners can do together. And they were all set up on the stage in the Acer Arena. Heaps of people attended. It was very, very busy. Lots of different stores. But some of the dog games that were played was flyball. Uh, there was agility. And we've talked about agility previously in terms of there is a track that the dog goes through and there's jumps and there's also turns, weaving, seesaws. So lots of different things to do with agility. The owners do that as well? or The, the owners give the directions of where the dog needs to go. So the dog has to work well with the owner and vice versa so that they can follow the correct route of the track because if they don't do the correct route then they actually lose points uh also there was the canine disc and a new sport that was introduced was the dock dogs and what the idea with that is is that they the dog runs across a podium and jumps into a pool and the furthest jump wins and i believe that the dog that won it jumped 23 feet from the land uh, from above the, from the day from the edge of the podium, podium that's right into, into the, the pool into the water and how did they measure that? Well, they must do it like in the Olympics, you know. They'd grab the Long tape jump. measure yeah. out and then yeah. measure the dock distance. Dogs. <laughs> dock dogs. On the dock of the bay, yeah. Yeah, so we're looking forward to the whole event happening again, hopefully next year. So presumably to train a, a dock dog to mm-hmm. jump a long way, you'd need a swimming pool in your backyard. I guess so. And, uh, mm, okay, so how would you actually train your dog to jump as opposed to leap in and swim? Well, they would have their own techniques that they would be setting up and it's through positive reinforcement and getting the right the right jump and then giving them obviously treats or lots of congratulations mm. and adulation for the dog. Yeah. I haven't because it's fairly new, I haven't had too much to do and haven't heard too much about the dog dogs, but it would be fantastic to see. Sounds like a great sport. And the canine disc? Yes, it's like it's, frisbees? That's right. Yeah, and they catch them while they're in the air. Oh, and dogs are so good at that. They are. Oh, they can be fantastic. That's it. And what about fly ball? The fly ball, again, so another sport that involves lots of work. There's lots of training involved with all these sports with your dog, and you have to really spend the time. And as we've talked in the past, a lot of the trainers do training twice a day, perhaps 10 to 20 minutes at max each time they train. And that way, that it reinforces the pattern and the routine for the dog. Quite exciting stuff. But something that is really incredible that I've come up with through the Australian National Kennel Council on their website, dogs who smell out cancer. Jane? How good is this? Yes, we're finding more and more things that we can rely on our pet friends to to work or do for us. This is quite new, and a lot of people have thought it in the past, but now it is being proven scientifically that dogs, because of their heightened sense of smell, they can smell breast and lung cancer through the actual um, uh, through their nose and through the mouth of the person that's got. The, so the they cancer. smell the person's mouth. Yes, their breath. That's mm. right. And they can pick up. Obviously, the dogs would need to be trained, again, for that situation. But they can pick up. Now, the advantage of this are, is that conventional tests aren't always 100% uh, accurate. Therefore, uh, a test with a dog can help out to see what kind of result 
there could be, and it's also a lot less invasive. So it's really, really nice to see our pets helping us humans again in different ways from from situations that for years has been happening with guide dogs for blind people to now even being able to sniff out cancer. I wonder how early they'd be able to detect that, mm. like early warning system. Early warning signs. Maybe earlier perhaps or perhaps just encourage right. people to, um, to go and... I remember um, when I did at the Doggy Day Out the rare breed displays and we had Linda who's got Mamre Sheepdogs, which is an Italian dog, and she was saying that her dog was used in these kind of studies that could sniff out cancer. Mm. So it's all happening. They're in our airports and now (laughs) they're in our pre-hospitals, hospital waiting rooms maybe. This is Pet Chat. Now, Danny, um, you were uh, at a top dog show. Oh, yes. Uh, The other weekend I was at uh, in Queensland for the top dog of Queensland competition. Now, what happens with the top dog is there's a selection of dogs that win certain number of shows and certain shows throughout the year, and they have a competition towards the end of the year to try and judge who will be top dog. And it's not a lot of the judging that happens at normal shows starts off with the breed. The actual breed goes against each other in the different age groups. But with the top dog show, you you uh, numbers are drawn and you're actually competing against a different breed of dog. So that's tricky for the judges. That can be tricky for the judges. There is a total of four judges that are judging, but three judges judge at the same time, and they go on rotation. So one judge sits out, and three judge, and then the the next two dogs come in to get uh, judged, and one judge sits out again, and and the three judges go in and do the judging. And... um, I had one of my dogs was was I was happy to say in the top dog competition, and she passed through in her puppy class. There were sixty four dogs, and after the first elimination, there was thirty two, and she passed for, through the first round, but she did go against a lovely beagle from the second round, and she lost. Oh. But I was still very happy with what she did. Excellent! So that was fun <laughs> and very interesting to see how it that is. Happens. It was a whole day, and it was very interesting. And that just about brings us to the end of Pet Chat today. Thank you, Danny Boss. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be back next Friday after the 12 o'clock news on 2NURFM Pet Chat.